What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? I am your host, Armand Lee, and thank you so much for once again listening to the Quarterly Report Podcast. This is episode 76, and man, the NBA season is so close, I can smell it. But before we get to the first tip-off of the regular season, I'm going to try to preview some of the teams that I am most looking forward to, most interested in this upcoming season. And this week, we're going to stop in Beantown. That's right, my guy, Tyler James from Celtics Social and co-host of the Celtics and Chill podcast. He's going to stop by. We're going to break down all things Celtics. And he's going to give me his thoughts on the high expectations coming in for this team, Brad Stevens, Kyrie Irving, and the crew. All that and so much more. But first, our number one topic this first quarter. Question. What is it that you all have against Odell Beckham Jr.? That's how we're going to start the show this week because I'm starting to get confused here, man. You know, I don't know about you all. You know, I watch sports for entertainment. I watch sports for fun. It's a leisure. You know, I don't I don't need my athletes to be role models. Not to say that Odell Beckham isn't a role model. I don't know anything about the man, right? But I don't need my athletes to be role models or to be held to this crazy stature i don't i don't need my athletes to have false humility because i think that's fake and that's dishonest right i don't need my i don't need my athletes or the athletes that i watch to somehow teach my child how i want them to be to be to be the person to lead my child right i don't need anyone else to do what I feel that I can't, you know? So I'm not, I'm not insecure in that way that I see a lot of people, you know, when they get up on the television screens or whatever platform that they have and they start to, you know, they get on their soapbox and they're like, you know, I want my athlete to do this, that, and the third and be held to this standard and all this. Other. No, I remember what it was like being 24, 25 years old and I was broke. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Forget about having millions of dollars. Forget about being on television. Forget about, you know, having adulation from millions upon millions of people doing things physically that most cannot do. Imagine that. Like we lose sight of all of that when we're talking about athletes and, you know, the their persona and ego and all this, all this. I'm in the fantasy basketball league, and if you win that league two years in a row, you run around acting like you your stuff don't stink. So spare me talking about athletes' ego, right? <laughs> like, like think about it. You win your fantasy football league, and you literally don't do anything. Your success is based upon knowing how well other players actually produce, and people will flex on that. Yet we, we look at the athletes who are actually doing the work with the side eye. That's crazy. So back to Odell Beckham Jr. You know, there have been times when he's been, he's been criticized in the media and was well-deserved, right? Because, look, everybody makes mistakes. But this past Sunday, he had an interview with Josina Anderson with Lil Wayne there as well, which the interview was dope. It was completely different. And it threw a different spin on it. I still don't know why Lil Wayne was there, but it worked. So shout out to everyone involved. But the backlash that has come on Odell Beckham, again, 
it's the only reason it's it's not surprising. It's because everyone always wants to attack on Odell Beckham. So I know that there are a lot of Giants fans who listen to this podcast. Obviously, there are a lot of Burgundy and Gold fans and Eagles fans as well. But I'm going to open this to everyone who's not um, a fan or someone who follows the NFC East closely because of their own allegiance. Based solely on Sunday's interview, what did Odell Beckham Jr. say wrong? Where was the lie? Because I can't see it. I can't hear it. I haven't been able to point it out. And before you come at me with, oh, well, you got to keep things in-house. You got to, you know, that's not how you air out dirty laundry. Boom, boom, boom. No. No. As I have gotten older, I have come to realize the moment you notice something is wrong, you need to address it. There are times in my past where I would have let things slide, bit my tongue, and just had to handle it and dealt with it. And I always admired the person, the people who were confident enough to be like, whether it's in their relationships, family, work, what have you, that they will always voice their displeasure immediately. There's nobody in the tongue. And conflict be damned, this needs to be resolved. They're not happy. I say that to say, look around the NFL. Look around the NFL. When players are, dis- are unhappy, when they are dissatisfied with what is going on, you can look at the players who voice immediately their displeasure and the, the players who do the passive aggressive or they try to be the good company man and see how that turns out. Tom Brady was unhappy with Jimmy Garoppolo. He didn't want him there. He got Jimmy Garoppolo traded and traded out the conference, traded to the opposite coast. And you can sit here and tell me that it's because Tom Brady is Tom Brady and he's got all these championships and you'd be right. But Aaron Rodgers is also Aaron Rodgers, right? The top two best players, quarterbacks in this league, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, however you want to break it down. Aaron Rodgers, you can't tell me he has been happy with Mike McCartney for years now. You can't tell me he's been happy with the structure in Green Bay. Literally wasting prime years all-time great years of his career right Aaron Rodgers is the only person that you will put up on the same level the same plateau as Tom Brady Tom Brady made sure everyone knew that he was unhappy with his situation his situation got resolved correct Aaron Rodgers has been biting his tongue trying to be the company man and hasn't been direct in his criticism of Mike McCartney until recently Right. Imagine if Aaron Rodgers accepted the responsibility of being the guy. We always get caught up with franchise player. You're the franchise player. You got to hold yourself to the friend. I don't care if my franchise player, you know, goes out on a date with an IG model. I don't care if my franchise player gets caught with marijuana as long as he doesn't miss any games. I don't care if my franchise player goes on Instagram cursing up a storm or in Odell Beckham's case goes to, uh, you know, Miami on their bye week in the playoffs. I don't care about all of that. You know what I care about? If you're going to be the franchise player, if you want to accept the burden that comes along with being the franchise guy, you have to be the one to call out the BS. 
period. Aaron Rodgers, I love him. One of the best players I have ever seen play football. If you are a Green Bay Packers fan, there is nothing more you can ask of Aaron Rodgers on the field. Period. He's doing everything he can and has been doing so for the last handful of years. But you can critique him in one way. I've got a buddy of mine. Shout out to Brad Bodie. He's been, I've known Brad over a decade now. And even before they win the Super Bowl, during the Super Bowl run, and even after, he has steadfast. Before it became cool, he was, Mike McCartney is not this great offensive guru that everybody makes him out to be. He's not. This is years ago. You think Aaron Rodgers is now all of a sudden starting to feel some type of way about his head coach? Of course not. But now is the only time he's voiced his frustrations, voiced his opinion. And I guarantee you, we all know this. McCartney's not coming back next season. You want to know why? Because Aaron Rodgers is not happy. And if Aaron Rodgers were to have said this years ago, you know, maybe you th think about this. Two, three years ago, if they say this, you think, and, and Aaron Rodgers tells the people, I don't want him as my head coach. When Sean McVay was still an OC in Washington, you mean to tell me, you, I mean, going to L.A. is is huge. And I understand he's a young guy, so maybe that was enticing. But I know what else is enticing? Getting getting the opportunity to coach Aaron Rodgers. Imagine, the look at all the offensive minds who have now just started to pop up around the league. Forget McVay. He's obviously the cream of the crop, but think of all the other guys out there. Imagine one of these elite minds with Aaron Rodgers' skill set, right? You can't criticize Aaron Rodgers for on-the-field play, but you can absolutely criticize him for biting the tongue and trying to be the company guy. Look where it's got him. You know? You got all these players around the league trying to, you know, I, well, you know what? I'm just going to, I'm just happy I'm here, just smiling, boom, boom, boom. And you're going to waste your career trying to be the guy, trying to be happy, trying to be the the franchise guy, trying to bite your tongue, being passive aggressive. Ben Roethlisberger every offseason says he's going to retire. Every offseason, he's clearly unhappy with something. Voice your frustration. You're the franchise player. You're the guy. If you won't do it, who will? So I turn my attention back to Odell Beckham, and I'm like, yo, Odell Beckham is correct. In fact, Odell Beckham should have been doing this years ago because guess what? And I'm sorry to, I'm sorry to rain on your parade, Giants fans. Eli is not the answer. Eli is washed. Eli has been washed. It's over. And you guys got a squad on offense. Saquon, I told you guys. I have no problem taking Saquon Barkley with the second overall pick. Got no problem with that at all. You can find good to capable quarterbacks later on in the draft. We have seen it year, year in and year out. Hell, Teddy Bridgewater was available. You know? Y'all could have figured this out. But Odell Beckham has put it into a place now that you have to choose. And we, he just got his money. We know what the choice is. Eli's not coming back this year. And ultimately, that is going to be the in, in the best case for the Giants. You understand? Like, 
we are now making a deal, big deal about Odell Beckham saying what we've all seen and what we've all seen for years. Eli's best years are way, way in his rear view. You know, give Eli the respect if you want. I mean, hell, he's Robert Ori of the NFL. He's not a great player. Not a, I mean, you know, he's got the name. And when he was in the biggest moments of his career, he played his best basketball or best football. Give him credit. Those two Super Bowl runs probably are good enough to get him into the Hall of Fame. But that has nothing to do with the last three or four seasons. You can draw a correlation between Eli falling off years ago and then when the Giants got Odell Beckham and boom, he started playing well again. It wasn't because Eli is amazing. It's because Odell was amazing. Y'all ran Tom Coughlin out of town. Where's Tom Coughlin now? Oh, yeah, Jacksonville. Look what happened to the Jaguars the moment Coughlin got involved with that organization. I don't believe in coincidence. So while the whole world is heaping all this negativity and blame and pointing the fingers on Odell Beckham, and look, Odell has to, you if you want to be the franchise guy, if you're going to take the the opportunity and you want to step up into that position, you got to hold yourself accountable. You can't have muff punts that turn into seven points the other way. You can't do that. But look at what he did. Look at how he produced outside of that. Yeah, I know he had the fourth down drop, and that was huge. You want to go back to that playoff series that we talked about a few years ago where he dropped those big-time catches? He did. I mean, look, what else can you say? But if you're going to sit here and say that the Giants struggles or have more to do with Odell Beckham than the Eli Manning, when you got to get your – you got to reevaluate your whole demeanor, your whole life. Wash your face, baby. Because 10 times out of 10 times – if I'm looking at the, the the problems with the Giants, 10 times out of 10 times, I'm focusing on number 10. He's done. And while everyone is complaining about Odell Beckham and him not being the guy, not being the franchise player, I'm looking at him and saying that's exactly what the franchise player should do. That's specifically what they need to do. The Giants have talent on offense. There's no reason why... Last Sunday is the first time they scored over 30 points in God knows how many games. That's inexcusable. Saquon is jumping over people. Odell is throwing bombs down the field. He's wide up. Who else is there to blame? You tell me. Look at the people who could have been under center for the Giants this year. Look at all the talent that they have at skill positions. I understand the offensive line has some issues to, to resolve. But, nah, we're not, we not, we not pointing the finger at anyone else. It's Eli. And mind you, Eli, he had the nerve to call out Odell Beckham not too long ago. Remember when he was like, if you want this position, you got to make sure you produce. I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, but this was like last year, 2017. Eli Manning was calling out Odell Beckham Jr. And now just a year later, we getting, we got an issue with Odell speaking facts about Eli? Come on, man. So I'll ask you again. I'll end the first quarter the same way I started it. What do y'all have against Odell Beckham Jr.? Because <laughs> I'd love to know. 
If you want to answer that question, feel free. That's not rhetorical. Tweet at me and the show at Quarterly Show. That's Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E Show. That's on Twitter. Or you can email me your answer or your question or your thoughts on Odell Beckham Jr., the Giants, the NFC East, whatever you want to talk about. Email me in the show at Quarterly Report at gmail.com. That's Quarterly, Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E, Report at gmail.com. All right, guys. That's football, right? The NFL was in full swing, but y'all know my favorite sport is the NBA. And I got another question, another question that I need answered regarding hoops. That's our second topic this week. Second. I don't know about you guys, but I enjoy watching amazing NBA players. Like, I love the game of basketball. Don't get me wrong. You know, I love playing. I spent countless numbers of hours playing and watching all types of, you know, basketball growing up. But the thing I love is the NBA. And one of the things about the NBA I love the most is the uh, amazing athleticism and play in basketball all IQ that is on display 82 nights. Like, I can turn on a basketball game, and, you know, there are people who don't like the NBA, and they say, you know, the regular season is pointless. And I always counter that by saying, I can turn on an NBA game in February, a meaningless regular season game, and watch five plays happen that will just leave me speechless. You know, I don't watch the NBA necessarily for to see who wins or who loses. I watch the NBA to see, in my opinion, right, the apex of athleticism. Like, there isn't a, a sport, in my opinion, that showcases athleticism better than the NBA. Doesn't matter which team. Orlando can't win 30 games to save their lives, right? But you watch Aaron Gordon play, you know you are going to see something. It could be as simple. It doesn't have to be this amazing dunk, right? It could just be how he goes up for a rebound and contorts his body. I remember Derrick Rose, prime Derrick Rose, before his knee surgery. Derrick Rose would attack the basket and he would go up and pump fake in the air. And it would just he would just finish with a layup. But just how he moved in the air and changed directions. And it was just so explosive. Russell Westbrook just runs for a rebound. And you're just like, yo, who's more athletic than that guy? You know? And I think that's some of the beauty of basketball, specifically of the NBA. But man, there is this thing that happens in the NBA which just leaves me completely puzzled. And I don't know when it started, why it started, and how we got here. But we, in the NBA community, especially social media, we target certain players. And for whatever reason, if you get into the into on our bad graces, you're just there forever, no matter how great of a player you are. And it's happening with two of the best players in the league. Two of the best young players in the league, for whatever reason... They have rubbed NBA Twitter the wrong way, and I've seen so much negative attention given to these players. I don't know. I don't know why. So that's my question, continuing the theme of this first half of just asking questions and like, how did we get here? I got to ask you guys, man, what did Ben Simmons and Nikola Jokic do to rub y'all or piss y'all off? What did they do? Because for me, those are two of my favorite players to watch because every time I watch Ben Simmons play, I'm looking at Magneto. 
I'm looking at Wolverine. I'm looking at a mutant, man. They're, humans aren't supposed to play basketball that way. They're just not. And I don't know if it was, so, you know, initially I thought, okay, maybe people are just giving Ben Simmons hell because, you know, boom, he won rookie of the year, but it was in his second year after being drafted. But I don't remember Blake Griffin ever getting this type of hell. And Ben Simmons, I'll jump out there and say it right now. Ben Simmons is already a better player than Blake Griffin ever thought of being. He was a rookie in average, what was it, 16, 8, and 8 as a point guard? Already one of the best defensive point guards in the league physically has tools that no one in the league has outside of LeBron and Giannis. <laughs> Two of the best players in this game. Like those are the only players you could compare him to currently. And the only thing that people, oh man, he can't shoot threes. That's going to be a, a, a topic. For another episode, I because because I, I I'm still trying to wrap my mind around how to to properly tackle this issue. But just because the Warriors can shoot threes does not mean that everyone needs to shoot threes. Ben Simmons is acutely aware of his flaws and limitations as a player. I'd much rather have a player like Ben Simmons who knows that at this point he is not a three point shooter, so he just doesn't shoot them, as opposed to someone say who is an awful three-point shooter and just shoots them over and over again because, hey, analytics. That's not analytics, bro. It's not analytics at all, actually. But I digress. Like I said, we'll touch on that another show. But Ben Simmons is one of the best players. I challenge anyone who had a better first year. If you don't want to say he was a rookie, fine, whatever. I'm not going to fight you on that. If you want to be, you know, you want to do the semantic argument, whatever. Who had a better first year playing basketball as a professional in the NBA than Ben Simmons? Who was the last player who had a better first year than Ben Simmons? I think you have to go all the way back to Chris Paul. And you can make the case that maybe Ben's season was better. Like we are seeing the game evolve to a place where like, you can see the lineage. Magic Johnson, Jason Kidd, Penny Hardaway, LeBron James, Grant Hill, boom. Ben Simmons is the next guy in that line. I'm not saying he's going to be as great as Magic or LeBron or what have you. But I'm saying you can see he is the direct descendant of that style of play. And also, Joel Embiid has a lot to do with it. Yes, absolutely. But that team was awful. Ben Simmons plays. That team wins 50 some odd games. And now we all assume that they're going to win 50-plus games again and compete for a chance to play in the NBA Finals. I'm not saying it's all Ben Simmons. Obviously, Joel Embiid is a huge reason for that as well, but they both are. And Joel Embiid, I don't feel, gets the negative attention that Ben Simmons does. And if, if you were going to, to go at one of the players, I would assume, and I like both of them, don't get me wrong, I'm a fan of both of them. But the player who I would assume would get the negative attention would be Embiid because he talks so much. He runs his mouth, but he, and I and I get it. I enjoy Embiid. I love the fact that he doesn't care. I'm just surprised that all offseason, there's only been one player who's gotten, in my opinion, more criticism 
unjustly than Ben Simmons. And I'm just thinking to myself, what did Ben Simmons do to y'all? But that one player who gets more criticism unjustly than Ben Simmons is Nikola Jokic. Because I have no clue what he did to y'all. In fact, I'm almost certain that most of the people who don't like Nikola Jokic don't even watch the Denver Nuggets play basketball. You talk about the evolution of the game. One of the best passing players in the league is a 6'11", 7-foot center. <laughs> and I mean, I don't, I don't know why people don't like him. I don't get it. It can't be because he doesn't play defense because the same people who don't like Jokic love Carl Anthony Towns, and Towns doesn't play defense. DeMarcus Cousins, people, the people who don't like Nikola Jokic love DeMarcus Cousins. Guys, guess what? DeMarcus Cousins doesn't play defense. So, I don't know if there was a meeting, an NBA Twitter meeting where people who, I, I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't understand how anyone can watch Ben Simmons' game and think, man, you know what? I don't like watching him play. Maybe you just don't like, you know what? Honestly, I don't understand it. But maybe you like shooting. Maybe you just are so enamored with the art of someone shooting a jump shot. And you're like, you know what? He just relies too much on his athleticism. I'm just not a fan. Again, I don't necessarily agree with that, but boom. Nikola Jokic. I don't know how you can watch him play and not just fall in love with that style of basketball. I don't get it. There are certain players who play basketball, and I'm just thinking to myself, how don't you like that? Like, why is it that you what? I could not stand Michael Jordan growing up. I am a diehard Knicks fan, so I couldn't stand Michael Jordan. But watching him play was amazing. And there's nothing I can say about that. Michael Jordan playing basketball, I wish he could have played for the Knicks, bro. Akeem Olajuwon beat the Knicks in the finals. Game seven. You understand? I never had a bad word to say about Akeem Olajuwon because the way he played the game was so beautiful. Like, how could you not like Akeem Olajuwon? You know what I'm saying? John Stockton is one of my favorite basketball players ever. Top five ever. How could you not like John Stockton? The way he played the game was beautiful. He was Perfect. There are some players, even LeBron. I get why people don't like the way LeBron plays basketball. That makes sense to me. LeBron dominates the ball sometimes. He doesn't move all the time. He's an amazing passer, but sometimes he just dribbles the ball to the shot clock. So I get why you wouldn't, why everyone doesn't love the way LeBron James plays that basketball. Grant Hill, I don't know how anyone couldn't love the way he played because he was the way he played basketball was amazing. Again, I'm not saying Nikola Jokic is as good as John Stockton, Akeem Olajuwon, Grant Hill, and Michael Jordan. What I'm saying is the way he plays basketball is so beautiful. He moves. He passes. He sees the like, the, you, the skill set. We're in this day and age where everybody thinks, you know, big men, all they need to do is shoot three-pointers. And I'm like, you know, Jokic has some range, but his what makes him amazing isn't that he can shoot threes is that he can dribble and he can see the floor and provide passing angles that we haven't seen ever, in my opinion. Not from someone that size. So I don't get how we got to the point where Ben Simmons and Nikola Jokic, two of the game's best young players, two legit franchise players, two guys who play the game 
you talk to people who are critical of the NBA. Oh, everybody just wants to shoot. Nobody is not team basketball. Blah, blah, blah. Well, here you are. You got one of the best point guards and one of the best centers. Both of them, maybe their best attribute is their passing ability. Both of them leading turnarounds to organizations that have struggled for quite some time. How do we get to the point where we are attacking them? I, I just don't understand. If you got the answer, I'm curious. I definitely want to hear. Why do you think Ben Simmons and Nikola Jokic come under fire so much? And you think I'm just exaggerating? Go, go to, go on Twitter and do a search, and you'll just see just random NBA fans just go at them. And I'm just thinking, I, I don't even think most of the people who go after Jokic watch the Nuggets, honestly. But hey, man, y'all like it? I love it. Some of the amazing, all this that plays a part in the NBA. Like, it, it just all goes together and why I love this league so much. We're going to talk about another thing about this league coming up in the fourth quarter after we have our interview in the third quarter. But you heard the horn. So that means it's time for halftime. Before we get to halftime, again, guys, answer my question. Let me know what you guys think. You can tweet me on Quarterly Show. Again, tweet at me at quarterly show q u a r t e r l e e show or you can email me why do you think ben simmons or nikola jokic comes under so much criticism why do they think why do they have so many critics email me your suggestions your thoughts your answers at quarterlyreport@gmail.com again q u a r t e r l e e report@gmail.com but man you know every month or so it's time to take a trip to the call center, man. There's so many things going on in the world of sports and entertainment. So many people need some help. And I am a man of the people. So I like to give my ear, lend my ear to some of your favorite athletes and entertainers and give them the advice that they so desperately need. So without any further ado, we're going to go back to the Hotline Bling Call Center to answer some of the most pressing needs of your favorite celebrities. Welcome to the Quarterly Report Call Center, where we try our best to give you the best advice and help you out through your toughest situations. All right, caller number one, what's your name, where you're from, and what's your issue? My name is Connor. I'm from Ireland. And I want to make sure that everyone knows that even though my last two fights, I wasn't able to go the distance, I'm still the number one guy in my field. I want to make sure that everyone understands that despite losing my last two fights, that I am still the best in the world and that no one can touch me. Do I have an issue moving forward, making sure that everyone knows that I'm still the number one guy, or have I fallen off because of my last two fights? Thanks for taking my call. Thanks for the call, Connor. And man, look, I don't even watch mixed martial arts, and I can honestly sit here and say that I have never seen you fight, ever, even when you were in a boxing ring. That being said, I am completely interested in whatever it is that you do. Whether it's you throwing a dolly at a bus, you tapping out, your corner getting in a brawl outside of a fight, whatever the case may be, man. You have figured combat sports. You figured it out more so than anyone else, including even Floyd Mayweather. Because so much of Floyd Mayweather 
is based upon him being undefeated, right? What he hangs his hat on above everything else, even more so than the money, is the fact that he is undefeated and defeated, and that is his calling card in regards of being TBE, the best ever, right? You, you've lost a handful of times. And like you said, the last two times you've competed, you've lost. Not only did you lose, you didn't go the distance. But you are still, I'd argue, you're even more interesting now than you were last year and two years ago, before the, your last most two recent fights. So there's no doubt you're the number one guy. Nah, maybe I shouldn't say that. I have to wait and see what your pay-per-views look like. But I would assume that your pay-per-view buys are greater than what Canelo Golovkin's were, which were at 1.1 million, even though their pay-per-view was at $85. I'm assuming it you got more pay-per-view buys, even if it wasn't at that price. So yeah, I, I do think it is reasonable to say beyond reasonable. I think it's fact. You're the number one guy when it comes to combat sports in North America. The question is, how do you flip that? Do you want to continue to do this? I mean, you're making a lot of money for one fight a year, one maybe two fights a year. A year. Do you get a rematch? I'm assuming people would love to see. People would pay even more money the next time to see you two guys fight. Um, I have no idea, considering all of the potential legal and security issues that may uh, come from it. But even if you don't fight him again, even if you fight Nate Diaz for a trilogy. Or even do the Ronda Rousey right and route and pivot to WWE. You are still an, a huge draw. And, you know, the UFC, they need you much more than you need them. You showed that last year with your fight against Mayweather. So, yeah, man, hats off to you. Like I said, I'm someone who doesn't like the UFC. I'm someone who doesn't like mixed martial arts. And I'm someone who didn't, who's never seen you compete, even when you were in a boxing ring. But I know about you and I'm interested in you. And that that's more interesting. That's more compelling. That's more of a driving force than you winning your last two fights. All right, guys, I went a little bit long with that call. But hey, when I'm talking to the notorious MMA, got to spend a certain amount of time to handle that question with the proper care. So that's going to be it for this week's call center. Don't worry. You're in luck. We'll be back in a few more weeks to answer the biggest and toughest questions from your favorite celebrities. See you then. Yo, shout out to Conor McGregor, man. Like I said, I'm not a big MMA guy. I've never seen him compete, but he has the ability to draw attention. And in today's day and age, that is paramount. It doesn't matter who you are, unless you are an athlete in the NFL, where the entire league kind of dominates the attention of the sports fan base, the sports world. If you are an individual athlete and you have the ability to kind of supersede your sport and just make all the eyes on you again, he lost, but this doesn't hurt his brand. Imagine any other professional fighter losing and losing in the manner in which he did where he quit. Right. And I look, this is not me judging. I couldn't do it. You understand? But it doesn't matter. It doesn't hurt him. It doesn't damage him in any way. I brought up Floyd Mayweather in the in the halftime, and Floyd um, 
definitely laid down the blueprint for McGregor in terms of being the antagonist, being the charismatic antagonist, right? That becomes polarizing because a lot of people enjoy, you know, the 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 antics and the back and forth and all this other stuff, but it obviously annoys a large number of people. But again, Floyd, part of the allure of Floyd Mayweather obviously is the arrogance and the flashy lifestyle. Obviously, it's a lot of people wanting to see Floyd lose. And right in, in, and in that regard, McGregor is an apples to apples comparison. But again, another thing that's part of the allure and part of the magnetic, the magnetic ability of Floyd is his undefeated record. McGregor has a handful of losses now. The last two times he has competed, even though one of the fights were a joke, he's lost. He hasn't gone the distance. Yet it doesn't bother him. It doesn't affect him in that way. And in that regard, I don't know if anyone is like Conor McGregor. And that's an ability that is amazing to me as an outsider who just kind of is fascinated by him, not his sport, not how he competes. Because again, I've never seen him fight. But... It's an ability that, man, not not many people have or have ever had. And he's the number one guy in terms of that ability. So, man, shout out to Conor McGregor, man, because no matter what his next move is, we're all going to be watching. All right, guys, halftime adjustments have been made. We're going to finish the show up strong, starting with my guest this week, Tyler James. Third quarter. As we all know, the NBA season starts in about a week which is amazing, which is crazy when you think about it. And at the start of the show, I told you guys that I'm going to be doing something of a full court press leading up to the season and the early parts of the season where I'll be interviewing and talking to people close to the teams who I feel are the most interesting, most intriguing, and the teams that we all need to keep an eye out on for. So this week, we're going to start that with my guest, from Boston. He is the co-host of the Celtics and Chill podcast, and make sure you check him out at Celtics Social on all social media platforms, making his second appearance on the Quarterly Report. I'm pleased to have Tyler James joining me this week. Tyler, what's going on, bro? And thanks for joining me on the Quarterly Report. Hey, man. Thanks for having me on again. Appreciate it. All right, Tyler, man. So, you know, full disclosure, this interview is going to be extremely difficult for me as a lifelong Knicks fan. You know, my battle scars can be seen from miles away. We, as a Knicks fan, as Knicks fans, are at our lowest point. And seeing the Celtics, I mean, I remember last time you were on the show, you were talking about how potentially when everyone is healthy, you guys can be a threat to not just win the East, but win the entire NBA. Obviously, the Eastern Conference landscape has changed, and we'll get to that in a second. But for me, seeing the media day photos, right, of your starting five all standing together, and then hearing the reports about how amazing Kyrie Irving has looked thus far, and then reading the reports about Gordon Hayward and how amazing he's looked during this offseason, it kind of all just kind of hit me at once. And I'm thinking, again, the Celtics, I have you guys as the favorites of winning the championship. Now, I'm not saying that you guys are calling out for a championship in Boston or in the New England area or that most national pundits are predicting a championship. But my question to you is, what is the vibe like in Boston and around surrounding the team and the fan base, considering that you guys are a legit threat 
maybe not the favorites, right, but are a legit threat to dethroning the Golden State Warriors. The vibe's good, man. And you know, I would I would say two things that made me kind of obviously I'm I'm don't know if I'm fanboying too much when I pick up pick up the one of the finals. I actually have us in the finals, obviously, but I think we can beat them for a couple of reasons. And it, oh, they both were in the playoffs last year. First reason was seeing how Houston went against um, right. Golden State. I thought Houston would, if Chris Paul wouldn't have got hurt, maybe Golden State would have been Golden State turned it on and still won the game. But they really made you know I think hey Golden State can be taken down. Sure, yeah. they added Boogie, but we don't know how that's all going to play out. And the second is. Like you said, just the optimism when when Brad had Kyrie and Gordon go out, how well they did. I mean, if it wasn't for LeBron being LeBron, they would have been in the finals against Golden State with that with Jason Tatum, a rookie, as their leading scorer. So we're riding high right now. And to bring up the Knicks real quick, if you would have asked me a month ago, I won't say 50-50, but I would have said 70-30 Kyrie staying going to the Knicks. Like, I right. was actually scared. He was going to team up with Butler or Durant, and, you know, he has his championship. I was hoping he would see the light and see how great of an organization Boston is, and if you win in Boston, you're an instant legend, and you want to be up in the rafters. It seems like within this last month, within this last couple of weeks, he has seen the light. But before that, I really thought there was a good chance he might go to New York and join one of those stars. So we went from, you know, going through a full season of just wondering what's going to go on with Kyrie having that assurance plus last year's performance things are feeling great in boston that's for sure once again i'm joined by tyler james everybody make sure you go ahead and follow him on twitter he's at tyler james nba also on instagram at tyler james nba he is the co-host of the celtics and chill podcast also man he's got some really dope stuff at celtics social so follow them at celtics social as well um really fun to follow really informative and really uh, entertaining stuff, especially with the Boston slant. So all you Celtics fans, especially in this area, man, y'all everywhere, make sure y'all check them out on all those social media platforms. And Tyler, man, you know, you bring up an interesting point. So many people feel like DeMarcus Cousins signing in Golden State, it's a foregone conclusion that they win the championship. I'm not at that point at all. Uh, not that I'm going to, you know, bash DeMarcus Cousins. I've done that in the past, but he's an amazing player he's an amazing talent but he just brings so many different variables to the to the equation for golden state that i don't think that he is this like the 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 fifth infinity stone you know what i mean i don't think that he's this you know this piece that automatically gives golden state a third championship in a row um and in, so in many ways i feel you guys match up better versus golden state than you do with the top two, the other top two teams in the Eastern Conference, obviously Toronto and Philadelphia. So my question is, just looking at the East, because you know in years past it was LeBron versus Boston, or LeBron and Toronto. It was just LeBron was the hurdle. Now there's a completely different dynamic, and um, a real a real competition at the top of the Eastern Conference. What would you say is the biggest hurdle for Boston coming out of the East? this season it's, it's down to philly and toronto and right. if, you, if you're asking me i'm staying in philly for a couple of reasons one toronto i don't know if Kawhi's gonna have one foot out the door the whole year if he's just gonna play it out you know embrace the cold city and just be like i'm done with this and i want i'm gonna go to la we saw it with paul george 
didn't happen that way. He, everybody, that was a foregone conclusion. He's going to the Lakers. He didn't end up with Los Angeles. Kawhi, I feel like could be a little different. So I don't know if this DeRozan trade, obviously DeRozan is a lesser player than Kawhi overall. Right. When healthy, Kawhi is one of the best players in the NBA. But DeRozan wanted to be there. They were already building on something. And if it wasn't running into LeBron James, they might have been in the East Finals. Now, they look terrible against LeBron. But right. I don't know if the DeRozan trade has them going up or down. And we won't know until the offseason what Kawhi does. Because I think they should have kept DeRozan if Kawhi leaves. But way too hard to say that. So, I think the, the matchup's Philly. I really do. Yeah, they went from a... Not a bad team, but a, not a very good team. Too, they were the East Finals when the East, East Finals favorites when the when the playoffs started because Boston was you know hurt, you know, and there, nobody else really besides the Cavs was gonna you know go against them. But not only that, I just think they didn't look great against us in the playoffs against the Celtics. But they that's a year of playoff experience under the belt, and I think that's going to be a huge, huge factor. And lastly, Marcel Fultz. I'm yeah. a big Fultz fan. I think he's gonna, I think he's gonna average 15 a game this year. I really do. I think he's gonna come into his own. I'm hoping he does. Even as a Celtics fan, I want to see him do well, and I like that big three of him, Simmons and Embiid. So, if you're asking me right now, I think there's too many question marks with Toronto, and not as many with Philly. Both are pretty deep teams, but I think Philly and Boston. I think that's gonna be the East. That's gonna be who's gonna be battling. You know, it's interesting to hear you bring up Philadelphia that way because. They are such a, a, a wild card in terms of we know that they're going to be one of the best teams. And it's amazing to think of it because in recent history, it was either Boston or Toronto who has dominated that division. But the division as a whole has been really bad. The Atlantic division, you can make the case that three of the best five teams are going to come out of the Atlantic division. And Boston, we know how talented, we know how deep that team is. Toronto, same thing. They acquired, in my opinion, the best player in the conference in Kawhi Leonard. But Philadelphia, they've got this youthful exuberance. And, like, their young players, you know they're going to get better. It's just a matter of how much better do they get. You know what I mean? Like, Ben Simmons is just scratching the surface. People forget Joel Embiid was on a minutes restriction last season for much of the year and didn't play in back-to-back games. And you bring up Markel Fultz. They're just such a dynamic team. And, you know, if things go according to plan, I feel like Boston – Toronto, just in terms of depth and experience, they are the the cream of the crop. But Philadelphia provides just an unknown that they could really shake things up coming into the regular season, especially come postseason. Yeah, and they look like rookies on a couple plays. Like I remember the Ben Simmons play where he got that rebound and tossed it up real quick and missed a little two-footer just because he didn't want to go to the free throw line. He was a rookie. I know there's that joke if he's a rookie or not. But, yeah, he was a rookie technically. And besides that, yeah, they had some experience with Redick. In, but I thought Embiid looked pretty good overall uh, for being one of the first times he's led a team in the playoffs. So, like you said, add another year. The only problem is you're adding another year to Jason Tatum's season, to Jalen Brown's yeah. season. And, and right. those leaps that they might make, I think, might you know outgrow the leaps that Philly's going to make. But Philly's only going to get better. I think they're only going to be better. And who knows? Come trade deadline, I don't. I wouldn't be surprised if they add somebody decent. I don't know if it's going to be Jimmy Butler or. It sounds like he's going to Miami maybe, but um, I think Philly is in it to win it now. Toronto is too, but I think Philly would make crazier moves just to try to beat with Boston. Once again, I'm joined by my guy, Tyler James. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at TylerJamesNBA. He is the co-host of the Celtics and Chill podcast and 
Check out all his amazing work at Celtics Social, man. Whether you're a Celtics fan or just a fan of the NBA, you want to make sure you follow him on those platforms, man. Really fun, really dope follow. And Tyler, you touched on this a little bit earlier um, with Kyrie and his kind of um, glowing endorsement of being in Boston. It's got to be an amazing selling point for a city and a franchise. You know, he's talking about how he wants to have his name hanging from the rafters and he'd be crazy to leave. And that's got to be a, a huge sigh of relief for all of the Celtics fans and members of that organization up there. And also a huge blow to, you know, the Knicks, because there was a lot of talk about him really considering leaving Boston to go to New York. All that being said, however, there is an interesting kind of financial dynamic when it comes to Kyrie. Obviously, he's up for a Supermax contract. Um, and by all accounts, he's been dominant this offseason and really looking to take his game to the next level, playing with a chip on his shoulder. And last season, before his injury, he was playing at an MVP level. Um, but when you look at the salary cap implications with Boston, especially considering if you sign Kyrie to a Supermax, you know, that means you got to start looking ahead at Jalen and obviously Jason Tatum. Um, if there's going to be a general manager that you trust to handle the situation, it is Danny Ainge. How do you feel about the potential of signing Kyrie to a Supermax and what it could lead in terms of the salary cap implications moving forward? One thing I'll also throw at you, too, what about that knee? I mean, what if he has a 50-game season? I wouldn't call Kyrie injury-prone, but let's be honest, he, he's had half the season he's played in the NBA, of, I think, have been around 50 games. So, And only played 11 games at Duke, so there, there, there's, there's going to be that lingering, too. But I feel great. I mean, it's going to happen. He wouldn't have announced it had he not talked to Danny Ainge. Right. Uh, we were going to go through this whole season – he probably just announced it just because he was like, I don't want to go through a whole season being asked this question every media right. day, every after the game. So I'm okay with it. I'm cool with it. The, the thing that hurt, it hurts the most about it is um, it might mean losing Terry Rozier. It probably will mean losing Terry Rozier. Someone yeah. who Danny Ainge just absolutely is in love with and I think would love to keep. Um, I think there's a deadline a couple of days coming up where he could sign Rozier to an extension. I don't know how it would work. But uh, – if you have to choose, obviously you choose Kyrie Irving all right. day. Uh, and it, it's just it's just nice going into the season. We had kind of a rough preseason, kind of up and down, and I think people overreact to preseason like crazy because yes. even – but Brad Stevens even overreacted a little bit. He had some comments. He says, there's no way we can play like this. We're not going to play like the Warriors if we just depend on talent and don't play together, which is kind of true. But then again, talent usually reigns supreme, so – it just was nice to hear Kyrie say, announce it, and it just makes us all feel warm and fuzzy inside to know <laughs> that he's going to stay, and um, we don't have to worry about it all year. We got we got a couple shots at this championship with this crew. Once again, I'm joined by my guy Tyler James. Make sure you guys follow him on Twitter and Instagram at Tyler James NBA. He is the co-host of the Celtics and Chill podcast, really fun podcast for all you Celtics and NBA heads out there, and part of the Celtics social. Uh, crew so they're doing some really dope stuff at Celtic social as well he's all over that make sure you follow those guys everywhere on those platforms that I just mentioned and for my last question to you Tyler man you know it's funny because obviously having someone like Kyrie Irving is a huge coup because he is among the best players in this league he has shown he has the history of hitting really big really clutch shots 
in the biggest moments, Game 7 of the NBA Finals. But in today's NBA, where everyone seemingly is always recruiting, everyone is always trying to get the next big fish, Kyrie Irving, in the previous week or so, dropped a huge nugget talking about how he's been in the ear of Anthony Davis trying to convince him to come play in Boston, which is amazing because I feel that Anthony Davis is on the extremely short, short list of being the best player in this league. I think you could argue he is already the best player in this league, but that's a discussion for another time and place. Um, The problem is, if you get Anthony Davis, that means you're probably going to have to give something up because we just talked about Boston's salary cap situation in the previous question. I think everybody with the brain would be ready to agree that Jason Tatum is off limits. I don't foresee any way that Danny Ainge parts with Jason Tatum. But that does mean that Jalen Brown could be on the move if an Anthony Davis trade were to happen. All that being said, what are your thoughts on a potential trade or acquisition of Anthony Davis and what it could possibly mean that you are sending one of your top young players out? Got a couple of thoughts. I honestly, I'm not going to make a prediction because I, I love Jalen and I hate right. to even put him in a trade. However, we know Danny Ainge isn't scared of trading anybody. So if Anthony Davis, like you said, becomes available, I think that he would absolutely trade Jalen. I think Tatum's off the table. I even think he would consider Tatum because, like you said, Anthony Davis, if the team would have done a little bit better, he could have been, probably been MVP. I mean, yeah. he, he was he's very close to it. And he's a big man, dominated in a not very, you know, big man type of league. I mean, look at our right. recent MVP. So I think that a trade would be tough. I know we've signed for a couple more years. And the thing with Anthony Davis is he made, he's made it clear that he wants to stay. But he did an interview recently, I think it was, you know, a couple months ago, where they asked him the Kevin Garnett question. They said Kevin Garnett's one of his biggest regrets was not coming to Boston earlier. And I think Anthony Davis will eventually have that mindset of, I'm wasting my best years on a rebuilding team. Yeah, they tried their best to bring in Cousins. He left. Yeah, yeah, we did all right without much of a supporting cast, but... And today at NBA, like you said, it's all about the stars and which stars come together. So I think they're going to start losing this year. And I think Anthony Davis, the talk's going to heat up. I don't know how it works with the Rose Rule. If we can trade for him with Kyrie, I, I don't understand that Rose Rule very much. I'm not going to pretend like I do. Right. So I don't know how it works. But if they're, I think it's going to heat up. I, if I have to make a prediction, I think we're going to hear Boston, Lakers, Anthony Davis talk a lot. Paul Pierce even said he would – he would bet money that he's going to the Lakers or the Celtics if New Orleans starts off slow. I think it's going to happen. So, yeah, absolutely. I think that's more realistic than we even think, especially now that we know Kyrie's here long-term. And I, I just can't imagine a team with Kyrie Tatum and Anthony Davis. I mean, holy cow. That, that's exactly. Oh, my goodness. Uh, again, as a Knicks fan, this has been incredibly difficult for me to conduct this interview. I appreciate you being a gentleman and not – you know, gloating and rubbing it in my face. <laughs> no, I'm listen, I'm rooting for you guys. I got to throw that in. I want New York basketball back. I, I like when New York's good at basketball. I want the Boston-New York rivalry. Forget Philly. I want New York back. So hopefully Knox works out. That's who I had in my mock draft I'm picking. I like okay. Knox a lot. Porzingis is coming back. Get one of those big free agents, you know, even if – I want to lure Durant to Boston, to be honest with you, because him and right. Kyrie love each other. That's what I want. But get one of them if we don't, and I want New York basketball back so we can have that rivalry going. So I'm with you. (laughs) 
amen, your mouth to God's ears, you know. Once again, guys, I have been joined by Tyler James. Make sure you follow him on Twitter and Instagram at Tyler James NBA. Man, really fun follow, really dope follow as well. He is the co-host of the Celtics and Chill podcast. You guys are going to want to make sure you download, subscribe on Apple Podcasts and iTunes. Make sure you leave a five-star review and rate the show as well. Really fun show for all you Celtics fans in the D.C. area. I know you guys are all over the place. And if you're just an NBA fan as well, Check out the podcast. Really fun. And he is also part of the Celtics Social uh, Network. So make sure you follow them at Celtics Social as well. Tyler, man, thank you so much for joining me this week on the Quarterly Report. And I look forward to wrapping with you a little bit later on in the season to break down the Celtics and the Atlantic Division. Yeah, yeah. I might actually end up doing an NBA podcast at some point. So we'll have you on in return and we'll, uh, we'll talk some more basketball. Oh, absolutely, man. Just name the time and the place and I am there. All right, guys, that is three quarters down, meaning we are down to our final quarter for this week's show. So without any other further ado, let's get it going. Fourth quarter. Now, as you guys know, I am a lifelong Knicks fan. The New York Knicks are the only organization, the only team that I root for, no matter the sport, no matter which level, college, high school, pros, it doesn't matter. The only team that I love are the New York Knicks. So, as you can imagine, it has been a pitiful existence being a sports fan over the last, I don't know, 15 to 20 years. That being said, for much of my adult life, I have spent countless hours watching, covering, and just studying the Washington Wizards organization. I remember when I was working with the um, Wizards RSN, NBC Sports, Washington, producing, I remember fighting daily, trying to get more coverage of this organization, trying to cover the teams, trying to build, uh, you know, have more segments that will uh, highlight the young players. I mean, you know what I mean? Like this, this area, it's said over and over again, but this area is rich in basketball. People love basketball here. And I feel like there are a lot of people who love the Wizards here. They're just their voices just aren't heard um, as loud as some of the other fan bases. That's a topic for another day. So, you know, when people ask me, why do you talk about the Wizards so much? Why do you talk about the Wizards so much? It's not because I'm ripping them. It's not because I'm trying to you know, troll Wizards fans in this area. It's because I have spent so much of my adult life focused on the Wizards. And as I've said several times in the past, I think we take it for granted having a top player in the area that you can see for 41 nights, right? John Wall is among the best players in this league. We can debate where he ranks among the best. I think that's a fair debate and a fair criticism. Um, particularly when you look at the last several years of his career. But without a doubt, he's among the best players in this league. And for 41 nights out of the year, you can see him. You can take your family to see him, and you can just enjoy watching the amazing artistry that he plays the game with, you know. But, man, the Wizards, man, like, they just got to stop with this talking. You know, it just, it doesn't, look. Other people will make a bigger deal out of the Wizards running their mouth than I. The Wizards can talk all they want. That's not going to affect their win-loss record. That's not going to help them or hurt them win in the second round of the playoffs. It's just not. 
I don't feel that those things are related in any way, but it does help kind of provide some color when you look at the overall picture of this Wizards organization and roster specifically because they come off as being incredibly entitled. The Washington Wizards, with all the talent on this roster, with all the high price, they are the fifth highest payroll team in this league. They have the fifth highest payroll in the NBA. And you know what? Maybe that is part of the reason why they feel the need to always voice their displeasure with something other than their performance. You know what I mean? Like, at some point, it can't be, well, you know what? I got a list. People don't think I'm this I'm this highest-rated player. Well, I'm going to show them. Well, they don't think I'm the highest-rated shooting guard or point guard. I'm going to show them. Or the team that just eliminated us, they're not better than us. Think about it. The Wizards run their mouth so much, you would think that they are a team who've, who's gone to eight straight NBA Finals. You would think that they're the team that lost to LeBron James twice in the Eastern Conference Championships in a row. You would think that they're the team like Toronto who has lost to LeBron James four years in a row. No! This isn't the case at all. In fact, I'm going to relay the last three years of the Wizards in their playoff history. We know last year they lost in the first round as an eight seed to the Toronto Raptors. Two years ago, they lost in the second round to the Boston Celtics, who were, I believe, the number one seed in the conference. But let's be honest, okay? That Celtics team was far inferior. They were inferior to the Wizards team in terms of talent. Think about it. Isaiah Thomas was the number one guy on that Celtics team two years ago. He's been traded twice, veteran minimum player in Denver now. Jay Crowder, Role, a significant part of that core two years ago. He's been traded twice coming off the bench in Utah now. Avery Bradley traded twice. Kelly Olenek had the best game of his career in a game seven. Came off the bench, coming off the bench in Miami now. There's no reason this Wizards team should have lost to that Celtics team. And three years ago, this Wizards team didn't even make the playoffs in the Eastern Conference. Didn't even make the playoffs. But you would think that that would stop them from talking and running their mouth. No, because three years ago, before they missed the playoffs in the Eastern Conference, Bradley Bill jumped, came out of his mouth and said that he and John Wall, the best backcourt in the NBA, not in the Southeast Division, not in the Eastern Conference, but in the NBA. There's a backcourt who has been to four straight NBA finals, mind you. The Wizards said that three years ago they didn't make the playoffs. Two years ago, the Wizards are saying, hey, man, you know what? The Cleveland Cavaliers, they are ducking us. They don't want to play us in the playoffs. That's why they're not going for the number one seed. Can, huh? The Washington Wizards, who lost to Kelly Olenek in the second round, before the playoffs even start, are talking about how LeBron James is ducking the You can't make this stuff up. And then last year... After being eliminated, oh, well, we didn't lose. The best team didn't win. The best team didn't win. And now this year, right, everybody's talking. The, the whole, the, ma the mantra, 
coming into training camp was, you know what, we're done talking. We're done talking. Yet all they've done is talk. John Wall is upset that he's not a top 20 player in the league anymore. Okay, I don't mind that. That's cool. You know? Austin Rivers is talking about how he's upset that everybody's gassing up Philadelphia and Boston. Okay. Boston has lost in the conference championship two years in a row. LeBron James is gone, and Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayward are playing now. Philadelphia has two of the best players in the conference, and they're both super young, only getting better. But whatever. You know, CBS, they try to do the little clickbait thing. You know, Austin Rivers' comments weren't as salacious as it was uh, kind of reported to be. But the, the overall point still stands. We've all heard it before. Show and prove. Put up a shut up. The Wizards keep talking. Let your game doodle talking. Right? Walking, how you talking? All the stuff. We've heard it before all over the place. But yet this team runs their mouth. They're the talking champions of the NBA. The problem is they haven't won anything. They've been paid handsomely. They've been rewarded. Two years ago, they were on television all over the place. They've gotten interviews. They've got shoe deals. People talking about Brad now, John. Every time you turn around, they've got Dwight. Every time you turn around, everything seemingly is right there for them, but yet they don't ever cash in. Most people would have been humbled by now. Most teams, I would assume, would have been humbled by now in the approach of, you know what, we're done talking. Scott Brooks said it so himself in training camp. We're done talking. You know, that that usually works, right? You know what, boom, we've, we've talked. Whatever, now we just going, we about that action. Shout out to Marshawn Lynch, we just about that action, boss. And maybe this year will be different, but... Thus far, what have you seen that would make you think anything would be different with this team? Everybody in this area talks about, oh, man, it's good that they're flying under the radar. You know, they play better when they fly under the radar. Again, man, miss me with all that. I don't think that plays any, that has any impact on wins and losses, right? Talent and execution. Boom. Give me that over bulletin board material and radars and all this other stuff. But... But at some point, man, if you're going to keep talking at some point, you got to show and prove. And that's my entire issue with the Wizards. For the last three seasons, they have failed. Make no mistake. There is no sugarcoating. I don't care. You tell me that John Wall was hurt last year. He was hurt. But y'all told me before the playoff series, everybody I turned around. All the quote-unquote experts, all the fans who've got all these pods and blogs and everything were telling me how a healthy John made them the superior team over Toronto. So what happened? Two years ago, there's no, there is no excuse for losing to Boston. So what happened? And three years ago, everybody magically, they all forget that three years ago in the Eastern Conference, this team didn't make the playoffs, which is inexcusable. So what do you possibly have to say other than, you know what? There are a lot of people doubting us, and it's on us to show and to prove everybody wrong. 
period. I get why Boston is the darlings of the media right now. So it's among, it's up to us to show them that we can compete with anybody else in this conference, period. Everybody's been focused on Boston, Toronto, and Philadelphia. We feel that we can compete with all of them. And it's up to us to show it and prove it, period. This is not hard. This is not difficult. I'm not saying that they've got to take a knee and bow down to, you know, Boston or, or Philadelphia or Toronto. No, they shouldn't. But they also need to be very aware. If the coach is saying we're done talking in the same day, you got three guys making comments about how they're this and they're going to do that. And this team isn't this and all this other stuff. What are we doing? What are we doing? You know, in, in this area is funny, man, because so many of the larger outlets are run by some of the teams, right? So you don't necessarily get the harsh truth. The truth is, I want the Wizards to succeed this year. Y'all don't know, man. I want, I love playoff basketball. And when playoff intensity is going on later into the spring and the team is competing, it's fun. It's fun for everyone if you're a sports fan. It's fun for me to do this show. That should be the goal. The Wizards feel like they can compete with everybody in the East, as they should. Whether I agree or not, that should absolutely be the 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 talking point of that of that locker room of that franchise. To a man, everybody should feel that they can hang with everybody in the Eastern Conference. But you don't have to keep telling us. You don't have to keep telling us. Y'all lost to Toronto last year. Toronto got better. We'll see if you guys did. Two years ago, you lost to Boston. Boston's got significantly better. We'll see if you guys did. Don't tell me you did. Show me. It's really, really simple. They say the NBA is a make and miss league. Well, you know what? I'm a show and prove kind of kind of guy. Don't tell me how dope you are. You would if you're the best rapper in the world. I don't want to hear you tell me how good of a rapper you are. Spit. If you're the fastest Bama in the in the in the world, don't talk about how fast you are. Run. If you got the best hands in the in the block or in your weight class, don't talk about how nice your hands are. Scrap. If your team is as nice as the Boston Celtics who went to two straight conference championships, if your team is as nice as the Toronto Raptors who had the second best record in the league last year and then got one of the five best players this offseason, if your team is as nice as the Philadelphia 76ers who just after a handful of years of trusting the process won 50-some-odd games in the regular season, something that you guys haven't done since before I was born, don't talk about it, be about it, Slim. It's as simple as that. I hope they do show and prove. I really, really do. Please trust and believe. I am not a Wizards hater. I want the Wizards to succeed something serious. I remember seeing LeBron and Gilbert go back and forth in that first round series all those years ago now, which seems like an eternity ago. That was fun. That was fun. That was amazing. I don't want to see the Wizards lose to Atlanta. I don't want to see the Wizards lose to Indiana. 
on the first round to the Raptors. I want to see them get to the Celtics or get to the Sixers or get to LeBron when he was here again. I wanted to see those. And I hope they get to play Philadelphia in a second round series or maybe Boston in a conference championship or Toronto. I want to see them against the best. But you've got to get to the best to do that. And talking ain't going to help you. Talking has absolutely helped me this show. Hopefully you guys enjoyed it. Before we bounce, I want to once again thank my guy Tyler James. Make sure you follow him on Twitter and Instagram at Tyler James NBA. Want to really appreciate him or really thank him and appreciate him for joining me this week on the show. And as always, I want to thank all of you all from listening to this show. I really appreciate all the love and support. Again, this is the 76th episode of the show. We are coming down to 100. It'll be here before you know it. So to all the listeners who rock with me, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. I truly enjoy each and every one of you all. And if you want to get in contact with me, make sure you email me at quarterlyreport at gmail.com. It's Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E report at gmail.com. If you have thoughts on the Wizards, the NBA, NFL, boxing, movies, music, whatever the case may be, make sure you interact with me and let your voice be heard. And as always, we're on Twitter as well. Quarterly show, Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E show. Let me know your thoughts, what you agree with me on. If you disagree with me on any topic, let me know there. And if you want to hear me talk about something that I may have missed, this is your chance to get in contact with me and kind of play producer to this show. So definitely hit me up. Let me know what you guys think. And before we go, Instagram, Quarterly Report. We are on Instagram at Quarterly Report. And every other Monday, we are doing the Wire NBA comparisons. That's right, guys. It is back. We just kind of jumped the gun a little bit, man, because all the Jimmy Butler drama that was swirling on Wednesday. I was going to wait till Monday to release the newest episodes because they will be coming out every other Monday. But it was just so much going on regarding Jimmy Butler and the Timberwolves. We gave y'all the we gave y'all the second episode a little bit earlier so again check out all the wire nba comparisons on my instagram page at quarterly report and we got a bunch of dope stuff on ig as well so check me out on all your different social media platforms all right guys that is the show this week thank you so much for rocking with me for a little bit over an hour and we'll be right back here next thursday on the quarterly report